A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. You know, but if the busboy at that restaurant and you're there simply to clear tables and you notice that there's people that aren't coming in, it's not your job to start changing aspects of the restaurant because it's not your restaurant. So the question is, is whose church is it? I mean, if, if it's right. if it's our church, then we better get busy and start doing all these things because it's up to us to, quote, grow the church. But if it's right. the Lord's church, he's the one who gets to call the shots. Did you hear what it says? The church is not a monster with two heads. There's only one head, Jesus and Peter. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's, Hold <laughs> on. I can count. Jesus, one. <laughs> Peter, two. Making all your sufferings relatively insignificant, this is Table Talk Radio. You know, my grandpa used to say, um, if we had, we were complaining because we stubbed a toe or something, he's, he'd, he'd start squeezing our thumb. And we'd say, <laughs> ah, what's going on? And he says, well, I bet you forgot about your stubbed toe. That's what this is. We, you know, we are just the squeezing yeah. of your thumb. <laughs> the theological thumb squeezers. We make, we make the other pain go away by increasing the pain. In another place, in your inner specifically ear. the ears. That's right. <laughs> well, we got uh, a great show in store. Bar- barely remember how to do this. Uh, you get back from Germany and we forget how to do table talk radio, apparently. Yeah, I know. But uh, uh, yeah. don't worry. We got some farmer's market evangelism coming up, some quiet time. That'll be a good segment. That didn't, that, that didn't pan out. You know, I subscribed to the pi- <laughs> quiet time stuff. I figured and apparently you know, the five day quiet time challenge. They were going to send me emails, and I guess the emails is just not to say anything. That's a very quiet. mystical. They're quiet. <laughs> it's like after after five days, you're like, they didn't send me anything, and then it's, I get it. They were being quiet themselves. <laughs> that's like the that's like the thing where Luther talks about how you know all these uh, the radical reformers are like, uh, uh, we don't think the word the word of God is the word of God. And Luther says, if they think the word of God comes apart from the scriptures, uh, why don't they themselves be quiet instead of filling the world with all their baying and pratting and everything like this? I was thinking for the second segment, we could just have 12 minutes of silence and that'd be our quiet time. That would be great. Yeah. Very Um, mystical. You know, I don't get it. You know how email programs have a spam filter? Maybe your email has like a a heterodoxy filter. They got... Filtered uh, out. No, I know that's not the case. Believe me, <laughs> all the nonsense. <laughs> all right, well, and then your emails still get through. We're going to be talking about some uh, what youth leader vocation and maybe yeah, a that's new good. Game. So anyway, that's up in there, good, good new stuff. game, praise song cruncher. I see you're rearranging oh, the order while we're while we're on yeah, the fly here. Yeah, praise song. Let's do praise song first here. Look at this <laughs> quiet time. Let's just hit the spinner, do whatever. Look at this email. Look at this. We're going to play this game called um, Is It Protestant or Catholic? Oh, from yeah. this Three Women Marry Jesus. Oh. There's no way we're going to get to all this. we got to get moving, right. man. Let's well, go. Quick, do your buzzword. Go. Table of duties. That is, the table of duties is a table of duties. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, hey, hey, table, you know what it means? Not like a table that you eat on, but a table, like a chart. A chart of duties. And the, ta- the table of duties is the, um, the scriptural pattern of listing the, how our good works are different according to our vocation. 
So children have different good works than parents, and husbands have different good works than wives, and rulers have different good works than citizens, masters have different good works than servants, and so forth. And so the Bible will list out the good works in each different condition in life, and Luther picks up on that and publishes a table of duties, which is basically a list of the Bible verses that apply to our vocation at the end of the catechism. We shouldn't miss it. We should pay attention to it. In fact, it might be part of the answer to the email from this guy about being a youth manipulator coming up. Table of duties. My theological buzzword for you is Benedictus. Um, This is a lot where that means blessed, and it comes from um, the song of Zechariah, final Luke 1. So Zechariah is doing his thing in the in the temple, uh, in the uh, in the holy place, and an angel speaks to Zechariah and tells him that he will have that his wife, um, who is beyond childbearing years, uh, will will bear a son. And he laughs, he doubts uh, the word of the angel, and then as uh, a curse, then he is unable to speak um, until uh, John the Baptist is born. So imagine, I mean, you see an angel. Probably the thing that you want to do is tell someone about it, particularly your wife. And he comes out, and they're kind of going, what happened? What was going on in there? And he's, like, playing charades, and he's like, oh, you know, charades don't really work on the radio, but, you know, you get the idea. And uh, and so... <laughs> That's what we're going to play during that 12-minute segment of silence. <laughs> we'll do charades. <laughs> so nice for my ears. Uh, but anyway... Charades. So, so one shot the Baptist That's a new Table Talk radio game. Let's try, I'm going to put that on the list, too. Okay. The category is theological heresies. Go! <laughs> Did you see all the sides I was doing? Anyway, uh, John the Baptist, after John the, sorry, Zechariah, after John the Baptist is born, says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, so on and so forth. And this is sung in the order of Matthew. I always wonder what a horn of salvation is. I don't know. Anyway, I think it probably has something to do with the horns of the altar, but maybe the, uh, uh, maybe the horns, like the trumpets, could that be? No, I think it's the, the remember how the altars had horns on them? Yeah. And if you were a murderer, you could go and grab a hold of the horn of the altar. Hmm. I've also, by the way, I, I would like to suggest to the reader, uh, wait, the listener, <laughs> that uh, that you establish a little personal goal, something you'd like to accomplish di- while you're listening to Table Talk Radio. It might be you want to finish folding the clothes or doing the laundry. My personal goal, <laughs> I want to learn by the end of the, this recording, how to insert the chapter titles of a book into a header on a Word document. So I think you set your goal now. You probably got it right. Most people are probably trying to read a book during the show. So we do have lots of readers. Readers during the charades probably is what goes on. Um, okay, so let's let's move on to the, the show proper here. Um, uh, so you talked about your quiet time email, never made it. Now let's play. Yeah, yeah. I was I was severely disappointed as soon as you pointed it out to me. When we were doing show prep, whatever happened to your quiet time challenge? Archive, man. That is a disappointment in life. And what's the name that of this was next be game? It's, it's Catholic or Evangelical. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how this is going to go. So I'm going to read quotes. The here, I'm going to read lines from an article, which is bad. And uh, the art. The, uh, and you can tell me at the end if you think this is happening in a Catholic church or a uh, Protestant church. Okay. Fascinating. Okay. 
uh, mystically betrothed to three women, quote, marry Jesus, end quote, and vow lifelong virginity in Detroit wedding ceremony. Lori, 41, Karen, 42, and Teresa, 40, all wore white dresses, received rings, and said vows at the ceremony at this church in Detroit, Michigan. Can I can I make the an observation women, that might be oh, sure. taken as somewhat yep. offensive? Just yes. put your finger on the offensive button. Trigger warning and all that stuff. Um, so I couldn't help but notice these three women making a vow of chastity, I guess, this lifelong promise of... No, her. they're marrying Jesus. Okay, got that. They're marrying Jesus in... Okay. Um, but I can't... But it is a vow of chastity, isn't it? I mean, aren't, isn't that part of this? Yeah, okay. also... Yep. I couldn't help but notice that they're all entering their 40s. And I I can't help but wonder that, I mean, it's not like they're 18 and saying, all right, uh, I'm going to devote my entire life to, to chastity. Maybe they gave up a little bit. Like, life didn't treat them so well, so the backup plan is marrying Jesus. And at the end, you can say, well, you know, I would have gotten married, but I made the vow of chastity. Do you think this is just... Is that offensive? Because I mean, you're not. If you're single, that's slightly <laughs> offensive. Because if you're single, you've basically taken a vow of chastity already. By the way, Christian, if you're single, you have a vow of chastity. That's called the sixth commandment. Yes, but I mean, you but, don't need to do anything. You don't need to wear a wedding dress. You don't need to marry Jesus. <laughs> Every Christian has taken a vow of chastity until they get in married. It's their confirmation means being vows, yeah. a Christian. I agree with you, right. but 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 that that person at least holds out the hope of one day finding yeah, right. the suitable it, helper. And uh, and enjoying the blessings of marriage, but but these women, but this person, yeah, they're, they've given up. But they didn't give up that line until of... they were forty-two. I mean, all I'm saying was, it's okay. Go on. <laughs> the three women are not nuns. I'm totally offended. The three women are not nuns, and have not joined a religious order. Okay, they will continue to work regular jobs and support themselves financially. Their vows are a commitment to chastity. And to give themselves fully to Christ, they are now mystically betrothed to Christ. So, in what way are they giving themselves to Christ, if not in a convent or something? I mean, how does this change their day to day? I mean, were they otherwise? Need um, to take my relationship with Christ one step further, Jordan told the Detroit Free Press. Quote, the focus is on how to be in the world, but not be of it. Yeah. And having this understanding of your role as a bride of Christ and reflecting your love of Jesus to the world. Yeah, what's the most worldly and godly thing that I can repel? Marriage. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, all these... <laughs> I mean, I need to. I need to find a way to live in in complete contradiction to the ways of the world, like marrying someone. <laughs> I mean, uh, all, right. all three women sang, "I am a spouse to him whom the angels serve." Sun and moon stand in wonder at his glory, and the congregation clapped for them. All right, when we get back from this break, I am going to guess whether this is Catholic or evangelical. Right after this. Glad the bump music's still here. Are you? Are you really? Oh, yeah. It's good. 
earplugs not included. You're on Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're talking about a story from Detroit, might be right, of uh, three women who make a mystical marriage to Jesus in which they're not nuns, but they're going to uh, make this vow of chastity. And so I have the task of guessing whether this is Catholic or evangelical. Is there anything else with the story I need to know before I render a guess? Nope. I mean, do you have anything of the ceremony itself that that you could tell me without tipping it off? Nope. Uh, maybe. I told you some of their song that they sang. Um, hmm. Uh, let's go back here. That's what happens afterwards. Um, the the pastor. Uh, oh, let's see. The three women carried oil lamps as they walked down the aisle. As prayers were recited, the brides lay prostrate. There's a picture of them laying on the ground. After that, the pastor gave each woman her ring. He put veils over their heads and gave them each a prayer book. Okay. I was very happy, very elated to be wedded to Christ, Jordan said. I felt aligned with his virginity, his purity, and all of his sufferings. To be mystically espoused to him, it was very joyful. Uh, boy, that's weird. Okay, so this is, I mean, we could, we could also play, um, this game, which ladder that, uh, could work for this too. I wonder which. <laughs> well, so there is, I mean, a level of mysticism that's, that's obvious because it's right there in the, in the title. But, um, I mean, there's, there's kind of a ladder of moralism here too that by our efforts we're somehow now connecting with God. So that, um, yeah, that's right. I mean, th- this is kind of a level of pietism in a sense. That I, I mean, so there's the, there's the boring old regular commandments of God, like the sixth commandment, but I'm going above and beyond, <laughs> and making this uh, ceremony where I'm married to Jesus, and so now I'm not going to marry anyone else. Um, now read again that line right before the break where it said I'm taking my relationship to Jesus to the next level. Yeah, that's right. Uh, where is that? I felt like it was an opportunity to take my relationship with Christ one step further. Okay, so on the basis of said that... Said every Christian <laughs> in every place everywhere. I was saying, on the Good basis heavens. of that, I'm going to guess that this is evangelical. Well, I, I, yeah, but this is at a Catholic service. According to Catholic canon law, they are now mystically betrothed to Christ. This happened at the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament in Detroit, Michigan. They probably say the most blessed sacrament, well, that's, I say. I mean, this isn't all that surprising, blessed. then. The only thing that makes this unique is that someone's going halfway on the on the monastery convent thing. You know, I mean, so you had the monastic mm-hmm. order, which people do this all the time, and then they you know, lock themselves in a closet and pray for the rest of their lives. But these people aren't going to do that. They're just going to, you know, not marry anyone else, which is kind of like, I mean, I, if I'm a, if I'm a monk or a nun, I'm, I'm upset that I didn't get a newspaper article written about me because I did that. And then some, 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there are about 250 consecrated virgins in the U.S. and 4,000 worldwide, according to Judith Stegman, president of the United States Association of Consecrated Virgins. I mean, if these 40-something the brides... The USACV, if you're wondering. If these 40-something brides want to take their relationship to the next level with Jesus, they could uh, make a vow of poverty or a vow of silence. I mean, why stop yeah. here? I mean, God, there's always another just... level. It's like, you know, it's like the guys that want to be Calvinists, but they don't want to have perseverance of the saints. These They want to be nuns, nuns without having the poverty. You know what I think would be just, taking your relationship what? with Jesus to the next level would be uh, reading the table of duties and being a faithful mother or being a faithful person that's single or being a faithful worker employee or being a faithful citizen uh, of your community and getting involved in helping other people. You know, things like, uh, you know, loving your neighbor, as the Bible talks about. Or teaching your kids how to sing the Benedictus. Uh, so I, I'm guessing you caught the buzzword since you used mine right after I did so. Um, oh, yeah, did I ever. Are you going to award me points and I'll award you points? Oh, yeah, 37 points. I'm going to award you 36 No, points. no, I'm going to give you more than that. I'm going to award you... <laughs> I'm going to award you uh, 1,987 points. All right. I will award because you. Because that is the year that I think the Consecrated Versions Association of Website was built, 1987. So, <laughs> All right. I'm going to award you 36 points. Okay. Uh, next up on the Table Talk Radio lineup is stalling to get Trello up here. Uh, oh, the praise awesome. song cruncher. Oh, this is a this is an email from uh, from Greg. He says, "Would you consider crunching a praise song from your secret Wells listener?" I suppose you would probably huh. have to be a secret listener to be listening in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. If people listen for long enough, they're all going to throw themselves down a well <laughs> <laughs> and be secret about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here from is from depths of woe. I listen to table talk. <laughs> All right. So, in a nutshell, the praise song cruncher asks five questions to try and get its arms around whether or not a song is mystical. That is, uh, uh, teaching that one can have some kind of a union or connection with God apart from physical means. And that is the question. At least if I can do it from memory here, uh, is Jesus mentioned? Yes or no? Uh, mystical. Uh, form that'd be a questions of you know sentences with subject verb and object, um, and then there's mystical content. Are we using? Um, am I getting this wrong already? Uh, what's the mystical no, content? Probably. Oh yeah. yeah uh, use of uh, romantic imagery, uh, loss of self, yep, this kind that. of a thing. Yep. Uh, and then thing. question yep. of other false doctrine, uh, uh, law or gospel. Uh, that's that's about it. So. Um, here is the song called Greater by Mercy Me. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. And everything yeah, I, I wrestle well. with, the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. But that's all.
All right, so that's the song Greater by Mercy Me. Is Jesus mentioned? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I forgot that. Be, I was paying attention. It's to a other good things. thing we have the cruncher questions, or else you would be taken away by this song without asking the question. Oh. No, Jesus is not mentioned. Do you see Jesus there? Jesus is not mentioned. I already checked. Okay. Well, huh. So you have God mentioned, but it's not so specific to say that it's talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or that you know the incarnate one. Uh, Do you see it? The there? cross won the war. Here's the because the cross already won the war. There's a mention of the cross there. Mm. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned the cross and you're probably going to be talking about Jesus. Very uh, few other people died on the cross to save us. Okay. I'll go with that. Good enough. Um, very, but a very slight mention of Jesus. You know who these guys sound like, by the way, what is the other band that I listen to that has the banjo? I don't know. It became very popular like a year ago. Matt Harrison and the boys. I don't know. No, no, no. The other guys. Um, I'll think of them. Okay. Jesus, first question. What's the next question? Mythical form, I think. Hmm. You want me to pull up the... I'm pretty sure this is, by the way, not a praise song, because I think this is more like a radio song. Is All right, not? so challenge accepted. If you have heard Greater by Mercy Me sung in a praise and worship song, let us know. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll see. Let's see. Mystical form. Bring your tired and bring your shame. That doesn't make sense. Bring your tired. That's like the line on the Statue of Liberty. Is that actually the first line? Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't so, you know that it's not your name? I think it's trying to go after the weak and heavy laden. Something kind of like tired. <laughs> you don't even need the word tired there because that's not one of the rhyming parts of the song. Well, what would you I put think there? When you're tired, is one of the is the um, man. I got to look this up. I'm trying to look up how to insert chapter headings in a word document. Now I got to look <laughs> up the Statue of Liberty poem. This show is so much work. Bring your tired. I'm getting now, tired doing um, all this work. Yeah, I need this song. <laughs> okay, let's see. Where'd the I'm getting go? tired listening to this show. <laughs> this is hard work. I hope it counts towards my sanctification. That's one of the marks of sin is it wants to claim us. You know, I am my own sin. I, I find my identity in my sin. And that is wrong. And these guys, the Mercy Me guys, have it right on that. You will all be always be much more to me. I'm going to just hope that the me that will be much more to is God. I hope this is like God talking to us. You see what I'm talking about? Because uh -huh. you don't want to bring your tired to the Mercy Me singers. Right. They're yeah. not going to do much for them. Yeah. But then it switches because then the next day, the next line is not God talking. It's me. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. But that's all right. Is it all right? That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I hear a voice that he calls me redeemed. I kind of, well, I kind of like that, but I don't know. I mean, it makes it talk more about this. It song. makes it sound. Like, I hear this voice. Do you hear the voice? I hear a voice. I hear his voice. <laughs> I heard a voice. Did you hear that? Who's there? I mean, yeah. We need Honey, to get a break. Check it out. I heard something. We'll be right back. <laughs> Tell me we need a break. 
quiet time segment. For those times when you just want to be alone, this is Table Talk Radio. We're going to Germany in September. Send me an email if you want more information. BeWolfMuller at gmail.com. Table Talk Radio is the show, Praise Song Crunchers, the game, and Greater by Mercy Me is the song. So far we... Wow. You did all that backwards. You, I like so radio style. You set it up with you. You know the most important part was at the end, with the beginning of the sentence, even if it didn't make grammatical sense. And you ro- ruined nice it all though. by pointing it out. So way to go. Anyway, you're what, welcome. So where are we Glad at? To be here. Go, just to uh, I don't know. Something about this song here. I was. You can insert a chapter title into the header and footer of a document. What are you doing? You just have We're to, trying to do a show uh, here. I, I I have goals, man. Why don't you watch your you just YouTube have to use tutorial the style on the formatting. basics of Microsoft Word somewhere else? But no way. Just to look at you can't you can't waste this hour. I hope the listeners have met their goals, their mid-show goals by now. <laughs> and we are to the mystical f- form Content. of this song, "Mercy Me." I, we didn't answer the form question. No. Didn't we? Yeah. Go on. Now the problem is, where'd the lyrics go? Ah, um, the problem because we, we remember we were talking about how the subject shifts back and forth, and in one minute God is talking to you, and in another minute the Mercy Me is talking to you, and then it switches back. Like, watch this: Greater's the one living inside of me than he who's living in the world. Uh, that is the Mercy Me talking to us. Uh, that could be, oh, but that, no, it's mercy me talking to us. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed. Wow. I wonder how I got holy so quick. Every time I fall, there'll be those who will call me a mistake. You're a mistake. How, Wait, yeah, they're going to call you a every mistake. Every time you fall, <laughs> you trip and you're like, oh, you're a mistake. You are a mistake. I'm a Embarrassed, like your parents. Maybe the songwriter is regretting writing the previous line. Like, there'll be those who call me. Oh, a mistake. Well, that's okay. You think possibly? No. Yeah, that's right. It's just a note on the lyrics. Because I hear a voice, and he calls me redeemed. That's kind of nice. When others say I'll never be enough, and greater is the one living inside of me than he who lives in the world. In the world, in the world, greater is the one living inside of me. That's going to be apparently the theme of this so basically, uh, here. what this song is trying to say that I'm going to be making, I'm going to be messing up in life, and all those are going to be around to point out that I'm a mess up, I'm a big mistake, not a sinner, doesn't say, but a a big mistake. But yeah, don't worry, hurts and fears. A voice comes this. along and says you're redeemed. Yeah. This the the scripture that this is riffing off of is First John four four, which says, "Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world." And that means Jesus is bigger than the devil. I'm not sure that that's what this song is actually getting at. Maybe it's trying to. Oh well, let's go to the mystical content form, and we are definitely high on mystical content because, again, it's the the sin is reduced down to this kind of emotional state of brokenness, one of the marks of the praise song. Huh. It's all about being broken rather than being a sinner. 
I it has to do with this difference we were talking about between being troubled and being terrified. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. I think that's interesting. Now, I think that there is a place to talk about how sin in this world um, does make us broken. But I, am, I, I worry that that comes at the as a way to avoid the matter of transgression. So it's mm-hmm. true. I am broken. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time I have a backache... Reminds me I'm in a sinful world every time I, you know, am remi- reminded of my mortality. I'm reminded I'm in a broken world. And this could even uh, say that, you know, I uh, cannot be a perfect husband because I am broken. However, if that's... Don't tell Mandy. <laughs> she might be listening. No, no, that's not true. She would um, never <laughs> be able to guess that you're not a perfect husband. I know. Everyone, let's just keep that a secret because we don't want to. That's between you and me. We don't have to worry about anybody else. (laughs) Um, Now, but but see, what I do there is say, well, the reason I'm not a perfect husband is because I'm broken and I'm using that. I'm using the sin in this world as an excuse, excuse, but I'm the victim here. If it wasn't for that darn sin in this world, I could be a perfect husband, but I'm the victim. (laughs) It's not my fault. I'm imperfect. Is that what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So we always see this kind of we're weak, we're broken, we're you know we're kind of we're the outcasts, and and it and it in itself is making sin our own identity. You know, it's trying to do what the song says we shouldn't make the sin our name. I'm, we're broken people. So I mean, so you're right. It's not it's it's not bad. It's just incomplete. And you're also, I think, a hundred percent onto it that we use that incomplete metaphor of brokenness in order to avoid. The more biblical metaphor or just truth of transgression that we're sinners you know we deserve god's wrath there's no wrath here you know yeah uh there, it, it's it does have this war talk there'll be days i lose the battle grace says that it doesn't matter who's this grace who's sitting around making these judgments i mean, look it says a city grace is a city in idaho an unincorporated community in kentucky <laughs> <laughs> that's weird I clicked on grace on the thing, and it gives me definitions. Oh, you're, yeah, okay. Um, you know, anyway, anyway sorry. Whenever, whenever you have, um, you, you, well, let me put this, when you don't have the talk of, of wrath or, or uh, punishment for sin, then you're, you're really puzzled and trying to figure out what the cross is all about. Because, um, the incarnate Son of God dying on the cross makes absolutely no sense if there's no talk of wrath for sin and a penalty for for a transgression. Um, so right. you're like, well, why does this guy have to die then? Um, right. So, and it doesn't make the, so the word redemption comes up in the song kind of over and over, which is the to pay the price for our sin. And we, I'm realizing more and more that there's a great confusion about who the price of our redemption was paid to. People, people I apparently normally think that the price was paid to the devil. That's not the case. I mean, the price is, is paid to God. In fact, Jesus, when, when we talk about Jesus on the cross, I think we've talked about this recently, but, you know, just to remember that it's not, that Jesus is not suffering the wrath of the Father, Jesus is suffering the wrath of God. He's suffering his own wrath and the wrath of the Spirit and the wrath of the Father. It's, right. it's all of God's wrath because all of God is angry at sin, and Jesus is suffering it all. Yeah, otherwise so, we, make, uh, we make God the Father to be this this angry side of God 
But Jesus right. is the loving side of God. And so, so that's what's going on with this idea of redemption, too. Jesus is paying the price for redemption, um, uh, not to not to the devil. That's I guess that's the mistake that most people make. No, not to, it's not to the devil. Neither is it to the Father. It is to God. He's paying the price that we owe to God. And so, but the price is uh, is because we're sinners, and it just doesn't seem like. In other words, the word redemption doesn't quite fit in the song. I mean, it's a right theological word, but you don't have enough context to know why do we need to be redeemed. What is it that we need to be redeemed from? What are we be being redeemed by? It's just that the Lord comes and calls us redeemed, and that's it. It's like that kind of settles it. Okay. Let's uh, let's zip through the rest of this cruncher so we can move on. All right. What else? Uh, law gospel. I think that's what we're talking about, in fact. The, lo- the law is not preached clearly, so the gospel is blurry. And any other false doctrine? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm learning to run freely, understanding just how he sees me. It makes me love him more and more. He's greater, he's greater. That's right. Nah, that's... Eh. So is this song crunched? If you don't sing it at church, whatever you do, don't sing it at church. It might be okay to listen to it in the car with children 12 and older. <laughs> okay. All right, next up in the Table Talk Radio inbox at questions at tabletalkradio.org, it says, Hey, Table Talk Radio guys. Your mediocrity never fails to astound. Well, thank you very much. I was recently shopping at a farmer's market in North Carolina when I came across a street evangelist. He was wearing a white T-shirt that read, Jesus loves you, and was clutching a King James Bible. He kept saying that same phrase over and over, almost like an action doll that says things when you squeeze it. (laughs) Only think of following as said in... um, simpering southern accent rather than a growling action figure voice jesus loves you well uh, you're gonna have to do the accent here jesus loves you it's australian (laughs) that's gonna say (laughs) he died on the cross to save you from you that's really southern that's so far south it's southern hemisphere (laughs) is that all you do is australian is that your problem basically you ought to be able to carrie said how, uh, how, how come you're Chinese accent sounds like you're Australian. <laughs> wax on, wax off. I don't know. It just comes out Australian, you know? Sounds Chinese in my mind, but... Uh, anyway, um, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross to save you from your sins. Now, uh, Katerina writes, uh, Of course, I agreed with him, but wondered, how am I supposed to react? Being in the Bible Belt, I would bet that most of the people at the farmer's market have heard the message before, even if they are not regularly attending church. Was I wrong to avoid eye contact and hurry away? Is street evangelism like this to be encouraged and um, commended or frowned upon? What are your first thoughts there, Pastor? I don't know. I've been trying to figure out how to be a street preacher for a long time as a Lutheran, how to get a soapbox and go and stand on it in the corner. And there's just something that seems off about it. But I always am up against two things. I, I have a theological discomfort, and then I just also have a very personal discomfort. And I wonder, well, is, do I not do it just because I'm afraid? You know? Just because I'm a, it was a just, sinner? With just a few seconds here, is your theological discomfort just that it's not the institution of the church where God has set up this kind of a thing? That's right. 
That's right. All right. So I got a thought about this when we get back from this break, and then we'll be doing something else. Something else. I don't something know. else sounds really fun. <laughs> like the quiet game. I was wishing we could do something Table else this radio. whole time. Where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. And we're back on Table Talk Radio. Before the break, we were talking about this. Oh, is this a segment where we're going to do something different? Yeah, welcome back to something different. Yeah, all right, (laughs) something different. Um, That's next, though, when he finishes this topic on the farmer's market evangelism. So our emailer wrote in and talked about uh, being at a farmer's market where a guy was yelling, Jesus loves you, clenching a King James Bible and just kept saying that over and over, Jesus loves you on the cross to save you from your sins. Um, so I, I, my comment on this was less about whether or not we should have um, you know, street corner preachers and more about um, just yelling this, these words. And, um, you know, we, we have, you know, Walther teach us about the distinction between law and gospel, and so that the what's necessary is that uh, a, a that a person would believe in the good news of Christ, he actually has to have his sins pointed out to him. And so that whenever we're preaching uh, publicly or teaching publicly or talking on the radio or something like this, where we can't really know our audience or know the particulars of our audience because uh, we can't speak to every person listening to us, that we want to proclaim law and gospel with the gospel predominating. And so certainly insofar as this gentleman has an audience, he needs to be proclaiming both law and gospel, just gospel alone does not um, show me my need for a Savior. But we have to remember also that that was what Walther taught us in dealing with um, you know, public preaching. Uh, but when we deal with people one-on-one, not to say this guy necessarily is, but when we deal with people one-on-one, this is where we have to withhold the gospel or withhold the law depending upon the person's place. So if, um, you know, if, if we're talking to someone who is unrepentant, and we have been able to have a conversation. We know that this person refuses to repent of their sins. We should say nothing of the gospel, no, nothing of the good news of Christ, because this person uh, does not need to hear the gospel. They need to hear about their what their sins bring them, uh, about the, the wrath of God. And until the person is repentant, don't proclaim the gospel to them. And I think that because we have read uh, Walther and Walther is great. You know, read them and and I mean, I I actually try to read Walther's Long Gospel every year. I, I think it's that important. But I think that sometimes we forget that Walther is teaching us how to preach, and we now just make law gospel our every conversation individually. And there be times that we shouldn't say a word of law, and there are times we shouldn't say a word of gospel, depending upon the person we're talking to. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's right. I mean, it doesn't quite. Does that mean do you do you think then that you could um, do some street preaching as a Lutheran? Well, I mean, I don't know why not. Um, you know, I don't. You know, this whole street preaching thing is is interesting because 
Um, you know, I know Lutheran pastors who will go out on the streets or um, college campuses, and instead of doing street preaching per se, they're just talking to people and trying to, um, you know, see where they're at and 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 see if there's barriers to break down to present long gospel. Is that street preaching? Um, That's different. Maybe, I think. No, probably not. That's a little bit different. Yeah. That would be just well, kind of street evangelism. I mean, I don't um, see I don't see what's wrong with it. I mean, what so it I, I agree it's maybe uncomfortable. Um and I don't know that it's I, I hate to use the word effective, but it's you know, I mean the 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 uh the point that God orders our society in particular places and the place then to receive God's word is at church. Um there's a valid point there, but it doesn't mean there's anything I think wrong with street preaching it's just that when I'm going to buy my cucumbers at the farmer's market, I'm not going there to hear a sermon. Yep. Right. That's right. So there has there's no it's there's a way that it's um what? Uh it forces itself on you. It doesn't it doesn't have the humility of the means of grace. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I but sometimes see I just think that maybe it's just so, sometimes because i'm afraid you know i like this guy ray comfort all the time remember our guy ray comfort yeah he goes out there and does that but every time he does it he sounds so angry man <laughs> well that's required if you're if you're a calvinist though uh, yeah all right let's so. let's go on to something else this is an email about okay. vacation take it away Okay, here it is. It says, uh, this is from Brian. It's a nice name. Good choice. Well done. Spelled it wrong, though. He's from Ohio. This is oh, Japan. Another J- Japanese listener. You know what they saw? So let me read it with a Japanese accent. <laughs> Pastors, I'd like your help on something. <laughs> After you taught me how to emotionally manipulate youth... I landed a sweet gig as a youth director at my LCMS church. This is actually a pretty funny email without my dumb accent. After you taught me how to emotionally manipulate the youth, I landed a sweet gig as a youth director at LCMS church. I love the way you two talk about service in vocations. My plan is to teach this to the youth group later this summer, but would like to learn more about the Lutheran view of vocation. However, being a layman, I'm unfamiliar with where to look for more education on the topic. I went to my pastor to ask him if he had any suggestions, but he was too busy preparing for his trip to the Wiki 52 conference coming up. Could you point to some good resources? <laughs> Brian from Ohio. I asked the pastor if I could get some extra copies of the catechism to use during the youth Bible study. This is a PS. And he assured me, why would you need those? Lord save me. I don't know if this is serious, the pastor going to the Wiki 52 conference, because I had never heard of anybody going from Japan to the Wiki 52. So uh, You're so obnoxious. Um, <laughs> I want to think that this is a parody and not real also because it's so bad. Like, I hope, I hope a Lutheran pastor did not say, why would you need a catechism? Yeah. Ugh. Some of this stuff is obviously funny. Like, he's got a sweet gig doing the youth. Now that he knows that I'm emotionally him from our show. Because that was our big fear, right? That, that, some, yep. that the how to emotionally manipulate the youth, 10 steps would leak out and get into the hands of a youth pastor, and they would rule the world after that. You know, it would be, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. So, okay, so he not, wants to know. That would be not good. Resources on vocation. 
so I think the the absolute best resource on vocation is a book by uh, Gustav Wingren, um called Luther on Vocation. And I think you can get it – if you can't get it online, you can get it from the uh, seminary bookstore. Um, I think it's a required text for one of uh, Pless's classes, so you can probably get it from the seminary bookstore. I think that's the greatest treatment of vocation. It is uh, It is a bit heady, and so if you're looking at something a little bit easier to read, uh, Gene Edward Veith had a book um, also on vocation recently, Got at Work, and then he wrote a uh, maybe a companion book to that one with his uh, daughter – called um, Family Vocation, I think, something like that. Do you remember that off the top huh. of your head? So um, so those three books would be very helpful for uh, understanding vocation. Do you have anything else, Pastor? I have never wet, read, I've never wed win-win. <laughs> never read Wingren. Or so, the Veith books, for that So matter. you didn't read Required but You know what I have studied? Huh? <laughs> uh, I plead the fifth. Uh, but on th- this is the table of duties is all you need, really. Just read the table of duties. It's fine. Well, I might have said a, 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 I, I might have said like a page or two about vocation in uh, Has American Christianity Failed? Um, really? Yeah. Huh. Might have put something in there. I should read that someday. Loving your neighbor. This is the basic thing is that love has a specific shape depending on your station and calling in life. This is This is all you need to teach about vocation. It's really simple. Luther teaches us to ask this question when going to confession, but this is the question to ask also when we wake up in the morning. What is my station in life according to the Ten Commandments? And that is that is vocation. That's the essence of vocation, that your love has a different shape based on what your station in life is. Uh, give example. Uh, I better love the members of the congregation different than I love my kids. If I start taking the members of the congregation out and buying them new pairs of shoes, uh, it's a confusion of vocation. What would you say to the objection that you should love everybody? You should love everybody, but love looks very different. I mean, if you love your neighbor like the same way you love your wife, you've committed adultery. <laughs> so that so that the Ten Commandments give a specific shape to our love, you see? So that so that's the doctrine of vocation. Love is not this abstraction. It depends on uh, love has to do with my calling in life, and it also has to do with the needs of my neighbor. So um, so that that specific shape of love is um, is uh, really that's all the, that's all the doctrine of vocation is. It says that love has a specific shape uh, based on what my calling in life is and what the need of my neighbor is. And I think so, that... So the love that a soldier, when a soldier goes to do their loving work and is good work, that's, you know, they're they're going and picking up a gun. When a, when a mother goes to do it, she's picking up her baby. It's just a different shape of love. And also, because of that, because we also fail in those commandments of loving our neighbor according to our vocation, according to the Ten Commandments, it gives us a context for uh, confession then. So that's this is where Luther tells us to confess those sins that we know of and feel in our hearts, because uh, we have failed as mother, soldier, you know, talk radio host, and all this kind of thing. So we confess our sins what? and receive forgiveness. Speak for yourself, <laughs> not you, of course. That's it for us. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> is it over? Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. That was wonderful. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Time for something different. That was the quiet time to to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, They're quiet time points and jokes. And aversion to incomplete sentences. That's right. Chronic imagery, psychosis, coma. Well, dear leader, dear listener, 30 more seconds. Internal combustion. We'll be on to something different. Smell your backseat. Claustrophobia. An uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter. Falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Listener, be my leader.